Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favourite lifestyle medicine podcast, the Meliora Medical Group podcast, uh, with me, Jordan Lewis. Once again, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by the oracle, I'm going to say of all things lifestyle medicine, Dr. Alex Maxwell. Dr. Alex, how are you doing, mate? Hello, mate. Yeah, I'm really good. I think, um, yeah, the oracle, the guru. Yeah, I think I'll just give in and accept it at some point. But um... Yeah, I know you don't like being called the guru, but I like it and I host the show. So that's uh, <laughs> staying, I'm afraid. And as much as you don't like it, to me, you are a guru and you are the oracle. Teach me so, much. so you're just going to have to suck it up, I'm afraid, and deal with it. Yes, um, <laughs> thank you. I am the captain now. Um, <laughs> How are you doing? Have you uh, enjoyed any of the extra liberties that were being afforded now? Lockdown is thing. Any restaurants? Any pub visits? You know what? Sunday pub lunch in three hours. Oh, living the dream. Absolutely. Living the dream. I went to a I went to a restaurant last night. My first time out. And once you get past all the waiters looking like RoboCop with their sort of PPE visors that come down, yeah. it's actually a very pleasant experience. So I'm uh, I'm excited for you, mate, to get your. Uh, Thank you to get your pub lunch in. Um, before we move on, obviously we're talking about mental health today, something that both of us are extremely passionate about. So, you know, promises to be a great episode. Um, we're gonna just take a few questions as we normally do. On movement last week. Um, now I love the movement episode. I thought it was fascinating. One of my favorites that we've done actually. Um, our first question comes from Samantha in Brighton. Samantha, thanks very much for your question. Um, she says that during lockdown, she has been working from a standing desk rather than mm. being seated all day. Does this have any long-term benefits for her or should she swap to perhaps sitting on a Swiss ball? Ah. One, of the, one of the big gym ball things. Very popular, I think, nowadays. Yeah, good question. I mean, so the first thing is that is on average a good thing. Um, it means that you're being less sedentary. So when you sit down, you're... Um, you're, you're taking away from your ability to be active. And like we were talking about last week, being sedentary does affect your health. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're standing, you're not just standing still, but you actually tend to jiffle about. And all those micro movements add up to um, being better for you. Now, yes, if you were to suddenly start standing for a very long period of time, then you would uh, be affected, probably you get, get a bit of soreness or it'd be a bit hard work. So my advice to you is, yes, it is good, but build it up and just do with one of those desks that you can take up and down and just gradually build up how much you do and how much time you spend standing. And what about the Swiss ball? Any good sitting on a Swiss ball? Good for the abs? The, the, so as you and I both know, if you try and hold a plank for anything longer than about you know, a minute, to, yeah, um, max, max. Is, yeah, then you start shaking, right? Now, yeah. the problem with a Swiss ball is, yes, you are being a little bit more active and those little micro adjustments are good. However, most people just can't control their core for that long. It, almost no one can hold, control mm -hmm. their core for that long. So actually what ends up happening is you end up being a bit too um, rigid with your core because you're trying to control it or more likely you end up just dumping your core position and you end up having um, your pelvis either go forward or backwards mm -hmm. and you then rely on your ligaments and your kind of the, the tissues rather than your muscular control. So you just need to be a bit cautious with spending a lot of time in those positions. The key yep. really is moving. Not, yep. You can optimize sitting as much as you like really, but actually it's, it's about moving. And that's why standing and not sitting is, is better. Great. Well, 
Samantha in Brighton, hopefully that answers your question. Um, our next one is from Ben in Wimbledon. Ben says that HIIT workouts, so that's our H-I-I-T, our high intensity interval training, um, HIIT workouts seem to be all the range nowadays. Um, what is the big difference in terms of benefits between that and just your standard cardio, you know, going for a run, getting on a yeah, rowing machine or whatever, and just rowing for however long? Hmm. So that's a good question, actually, because I think you, you, it's important to remember that you're then talking about good versus better. So right. both of those are good, right? Yeah. Both of those have good evidence to suggest that they improve your heart health, your general health, your mood, your... Um, a bit more likely to have more muscle mass, uh, a bit more li- more likely to lose fat. They um, are generally good for you. So I think that's the first thing to remember is that we're comparing good and a bit better possibly. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, they both have advantages and disadvantages, but generally I think hit or hit, hit. <laughs> is a bit more likely to be um, more effective. So it's probably a bit more bang for buck in yep. terms of time and effect. Um, the things that we're looking for, for example, increase in fitness or VO2 max, the amount of oxygen that you can use, mm-hmm. is um, probably here is a little bit better. Um, it's a little bit more effective at increasing that per yep. time or amount of time spent exercising. But that makes sense, right? Because you're being more vigorous. Of course, um, yeah. You are a bit more likely to injure yourself because it's more intense and it is more uncomfortable generally. Um, so you just have to bear in mind that you know if you're new to exercise jumping into a hit exercise regime might be very uncomfortable and not used Mm -hmm. to that might be a bit too intense for you and also you are a little bit more likely to to kind of push yourself a bit too far in an area that you're not used to um so yeah they're they're, they're both good um hit is probably a little bit more effective uh bang for buck ones yeah, I can, I can vouch for that. Jumping into a hit class is not a smart thing to do. Beginning of lockdown, you know, when everyone's working out in their, uh, in their living rooms, my girlfriend puts them on. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll join you. No, 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 no. Tough. Yeah. But then the important thing to take away there, I think, is that, you know, good versus better. They're both brilliant. And, you know, any movement that you're doing, whether it's going for a run or doing a hit workout in your garden or in your living room, is brilliant. So well done you for being active and getting that movement in. Um, right. So... Here we go then. Mental health, something that we're both massively looking forward to, to speaking about. Um, and we will not even pretend to be able to do it justice in the half an hour that we've got talking about this. Yeah. But an incredibly important, huge topic for us to discuss, right? Mm, yeah, it's so important. And, you know, it's, everyone's gradually understanding the importance and impact of having good mental health and being mm-hmm. aware of your mental health. Um, I think the first thing to say is just, you know, mental health and mental illness are not the same thing okay. in the same way that having a physical condition uh, versus being healthy and, and well, um, they're not the same thing. So it's really important to remember that it's a continuum and actually yeah. being physically and mentally well are um, not just the absence of having a condition. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Really important to remember that because for some reason people separate out physical and mental health and to me they're very very similar and they're expressions of the same thing and they're very connected um so mental health is something that we all work towards in the same way that we try to be physically healthy and do exercise yeah. well and sleep like all the other things we talked about um having a mental illness is 
once your mental health has deteriorated quite significantly to you know one of the definitions of one of the mental health conditions that you know the doctors and, and people will, will tell you about yeah i think that's that's how i personally like to think of it is that just like we all have physical health and we have we have healthy days and we have unhealthy days or we have periods in our lives where we're healthier than others it's the same with our mental health isn't it, it just goes up and down a slider and you know our mental health you know moves up and down the side of it, but it always exists but then mm. like you say we come to mental health disorders and mental health illnesses and that's when um you know that's the difference there um so give us some facts before we talk about working on mental health give us some facts just so we realize how big a topic this really is and how many people it actually affects in the uk but also worldwide mm, yeah and and i think it's really important to understand that it's just so much more prevalent than people realize yeah and i think if the one thing i'd like um people to understand that is much more likely to suffer with a mental health condition or struggle with your mental health and i think people realize so for example one in four people are likely um to get a mental health illness at any one time mm -hmm. in, in 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 a year so you know if you're in a room of four people you're very likely that one of you has struggled with your mental health at some point mm -hmm. um about eight percent of people suffer with at any one time bearing in mind this is prevalent so in a year the number of people that have that or have suffered with that in the year um eight percent have uh suffered with mixed anxiety depressive uh conditions so it's quite common actually yeah these are these are big numbers we're talking about this is not insignificant no numbers. Um, even you know things like ocd maybe two two percent Schizophrenia and psychosis are uh, less than one percent, but still prevalent. You know, um, anxiety is more like four, depression three is a percent. Yeah, so they're, they're much more common than perhaps people think. And uh, and I really would want to get rid of that stigma because I think the stigma has come about because we don't understand it. And you shouldn't feel stigma for breaking your leg, and you shouldn't feel no. stigma for having depression. And um, that's really something I, I want to get out that you, you mustn't feel that it's a personal slight that you it's your fault or any guilt or negativity about feeling that that's yeah. often an expression of it actually self-esteem and things like that so it's really and it's important. it's not a weakness is it you know we're going to come on to that a little bit later but it's not it's not a weakness it's no it's no reflection on you as a, as a person it doesn't again we're going to come to this but it doesn't define you i think a lot of the stigma comes from the language that we use and actually our misunderstanding of the language um, just the word mental, if you think about like when you're not using it outside of, you know, talking about mental health, it's like, oh, he's mental, he's absolutely mental, mm. he's crazy, or, you know, mm. a mental asylum or something like that. It, mm. It's a word that has negative connotations, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as to you understand said, it. Yeah, the language you use is so powerful, isn't it? You know, and, and actually the language you use to yourself as well. So one of the things that's really important with mental health, and we'll come on to this in a bit, is identifying and being mindful of the language that you use because yeah. you can be constant if a if you're not aware of it but b if you're constantly down on yourself undermining yourself and talking to yourself like you don't respect yourself consciously or subconsciously it's no surprise that you'll get sad or anxious or worried about things going wrong because you're just constantly got this negative voice in your ear yeah um, you know Bit of a cliche but the whole love yourself thing having a, having a good opinion of yourself is is so important and like you say the language that you use whether that's you know language that you're actually using whether it's internalized language is, is massively important i think and that's something that yeah. i think we need to realize a little bit more 
Now, when I saw this slide, the first thing that jumped out at me, working on your mental health. Working, yeah. it's, it's an active endeavor. That's, the, yeah. that's what I get from that word, working, right? Yeah, I'm glad you picked that up. It is so true. I think one of the things that I, as a GP, I see people with, um, who are struggling with their mental health and also who go over um, the threshold into having a mental health illness. One of the big things that is um, a theme that I've noticed is that they often are not actively working on their mental health. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean practicing the skill. And it is a skill. So I've kind of thought of a way of breaking down the ways that people explain their coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. See, you've got multiple different types of coping mechanism, whether that's, you know, talking to your friends and family, going for a jog, um, listening to music, um, talking to your counsellor, therapist, meditating. There's loads of different ways mm -hmm. people de-stress, calm themselves down, help themselves feel better, um, make themselves more able to deal with stresses and problems in the future. If you break it down, you're either doing it actively or passively, i.e. passively is something like you're listening to music, you know, something's happening to you, but you're not really doing much it's almost like a distraction i was about to say that sounds like a distraction rather than actually facing yeah. the problem head on yeah and there's nothing wrong with that in itself but you just have to be aware that it is passive mm -hmm. um and therefore it helps your mental health probably indirectly by taking your thoughts away from it and it can be useful but again probably doesn't make inroads into identifying and changing your thoughts um and helping you in the future yes yeah. one technique the yeah, next thing yeah it's there but it's not you know it's not um the only one the next type of uh thing is of, of ways to help your mental health is something that's more active and i don't mean physical activity necessarily but what i mean is doing something rather than something having to you, happening to you so for example yeah doing exercise or yeah meditating or um you know playing an instrument or going and talking to your friends about it proactively doing something to try and offload rationalize help your mental health um and that can be useful it's generally a little bit more useful than um something more passive but yeah. not necessarily and not personally for you you might find it more more helpful to do more passive things in the shorter term um or or consistently I think that's a, that's a great way for the folks to think about it at home, you know, active versus passive. Mm. Active, you're doing something about it. You're taking yourself out and you're doing something rather than passive. You're just having something done to you. You know, music is in your ears. It's, it's, you're having it done to you. You're sitting there and it's distracting you, but you've not actually gone out and done something about it. I think that's a really useful way for the people at home to think about dealing with it actively versus passively. Right. And then, and then the second way that you can break it down is whether it's directly helping your mental health or indirectly helping your mental yeah. health. And generally, people don't spend very much time directly helping their mental health. So, for example, talking to friends, uh, doing exercise, meditating, those things, they, they indirectly help your mental health because they calm you, they offload, they might kind of help you work through things a little bit, but generally it's more indirect. So then very few people actively engage with direct uh, things to help their mental health for example engaging with mental health services talking to counselors therapists um cognitive behavioral therapy that's ways of identifying if your thoughts are useful and and, and helping yeah. them if they are and stopping them if they aren't so active 
and direct methods of helping your mental health are something that are not done enough in my experience. Why do you think that is? Is it because of the stigma or are there other reasons? Yeah, I think that's definitely a factor because you are in a lot of people's eyes admitting you've got a problem Yeah. Um, if, if you go and seek help. But actually in my experience, it's not admitting you've got a problem to go for a jog yeah. to help your physical health. So this is the same, you're proactively, counseling should be changed to, for people who have mental health problems to people who want to prevent themselves getting mental health problems and more positively help themselves be helpful, mm-hmm. uh, healthy, sorry, healthy, yeah, healthy. Yeah, and that's it. A lot of us, you know, if we, I love what you said earlier on about mental health, physical health, they're very much the same thing, aren't they? And if you think about it in those terms, with your physical health, you don't wait until you're really, really, really unhealthy to then go for a jog or to do anything. You know, a lot of us are, are always doing it to try and maintain a level of good health. And it's the same with our, our mental health. You shouldn't be waiting for it to, to come and then you say, oh, I've got a problem, I'm going to go and fix it. Um, Right. And that's a mindset that I think a lot of people could benefit from, from getting into. Mm. And it starts with thinking about your mental health exactly the same as you think about your physical health. Yeah. Substitute yeah. the two and you come up with some pretty good um, solutions. Can I ask you, uh, Dr. Alex, when, when does it cross over to becoming a mental health illness or a mental health disorder? So, for example, when does it swap over from being feeling a little bit sad and feeling a little bit down or feeling a bit nervous and stuff to being diagnosed with depression or being diagnosed with anxiety so that's a great great question and and you know the the doctor and me will stay clear of giving you the there's criteria so what i'll do is i'll zoom out a little bit yeah the 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 thing that's important is twofold it's well threefold so it's severity and there are ways of scoring that okay it is length and duration so if it's too short then it's not often a mental health disorder, it's, it's a temporary blip in what's called your affect. Yeah. Um, and then it's impact on your uh, ability to function on your quality of life and all those kind of things. So it has to be bad enough for long enough and impact your functioning for long enough um, is the general kind of principles um, of, of whether something is a mental health disorder or not. So when it, when it actually starts affecting how you function in everyday life it, it's stopping you doing things and it, it's changing how you actually go through your day-to-day that's when it and it's happened for a more prolonged period of time that's when it moves over into being a mental health disorder yeah as general principles and you know it's more are, complex but yeah and there are you know function people with functioning anxiety um there are people who are depressed but are still able to work um so you know we can go into it in detail in future podcasts about you know there are as you can imagine, very clear criteria to diagnose depression, for example. Um, But yeah, the general principles are that intensity, duration, and uh, impact on function. Okay, really useful, really useful to know. And you know, anyone struggling at home and wondering, do I have a mental health disorder? Obviously we'll put up some uh, some really great resources towards the end of people you can speak to, but that that might help those people to to have a think about whether they're actually suffering from mental health disorder or whether they've just got yeah. poor mental health and you know they need to they need to be actively working working on that and i loved just before we move on i love how you called working on your mental health maintaining good mental health a skill mm. i love this because it, it, it's a skill that requires practice you can't right. just expect to click your fingers and be good at something in the same way that whether it's swinging a golf club or whether you know anything it's goal kicking in rugby you can't just expect to turn up and be be great at it 
Um, it is a skill that you have to practice. And, you know, I know in schools now we're doing much more helping our kids to, to develop that skill so that actually when they, you know, reach later ages, adulthood, adolescence, etc., there are they are able or they've got the skills to help them deal with it. It doesn't necessarily always mean that they will be able to deal with it. Sometimes they will need that, that outside help. I mean, thank, thank goodness that it's there. But yeah, we're better preparing them. And that skill idea is really, really important to me. Yeah, and, and I would echo that. And actually, the point there is that, you know, you can get better by practicing something on your own. But there's nothing wrong with asking for a guide, a guide, a teacher, a coach. Coach, yeah. You know, so, yeah, someone who can help you. Um, be more effective in your practice because it requires practice. The teacher can't make you good at the piano or, or like you say, good at kicking goals. But yeah. what they can do is they can guide you, give them, give you the benefit of their experience. So it's, yeah. it's totally worth doing. And it's also worth mentioning, these things are super, super worthwhile. If you are better at managing your stress, your memory is often better, you sleep better. If you spend time de-stressing, you manage your emotions better, your relationships can improve. You can deal with your work and resilience. Your there's evidence that you're more likely to get promoted. You know, yeah. it's it's totally worth doing. Or yeah. Also, actually, you're less likely to have a heart attack or a stroke. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna say there there must be physical health benefits. Right. Yeah. yeah. Diabetes. You know, stress is inflammatory and raises your sugar, and all of these things are absolutely linked. So. Don't just think that physical health and mental health are separate. They're very, very related. In fact, if you have a heart attack, you're more likely to become depressed yeah. and vice versa. So they're totally connected. And we don't all, you know, the, the science doesn't completely understand why that is as well. Yeah. yeah. So um, we're going to set you all a little challenge later on. But actually, as you say, it's so worthwhile to start thinking about this and, and make, taking steps and actively trying to improve things. Um, yeah. Now, this is the part of the show where we always bust some myths. And normally these are things that I have no idea about and I want to know. Um, I'm fortunate from my position, you know, working in schools, working with young people, doing a load of stuff in mental health, that I have some knowledge in this, uh, in this area. So rather than myth busting, I'm just going to read out, I've mixed it up for you, I've taken you by surprise here, I'm just going to read out some statements. So I think some yeah. common beliefs about mental health and you're going to tell me whether it's a fact or whether it's a myth and then hopefully okay. debunk it. clear okay get how the game's working right so okay. the first one is spending time dwelling on your mental health will make it worse myth or a fact so probably a myth apart from the fact that if you are dwelling and i guess the yeah. word there is dwell yeah i use that word if, yeah if you're ruminating on your mental health itself no but if you're ruminating on things that take away from your mental health that you find stressful or upsetting or worrying like the past that you can't change or the future yeah. that you that you, you can't control then yes it will make it worse so i think if you dwell on thoughts and things like that then yes it will affect your mental health negatively okay. but at the same time facing up to the fact that you potentially have a problem you have poor mental health shows a great deal of courage and actually can set you on the way to to recovery and actually to to improving your mental health. so it's actually important but also we recognize that it does take an extreme amount of courage to be able to look i don't like to use this word but look your demons in the eye and face up to it and and say i'm going to do something about this um, right. we should be underestimated um yeah okay great next one um i think 
hopefully we all know the answers. Um, myth or fact, mental health disorders are rare. So I reckon that's a myth. They yeah, are, we spoke about some of the percentages at the start common. of the show. Yeah, yeah, they are common. I mean, one in four people will, will experience one, for example. Yeah. You know, yeah. Common. So we can, that's a myth. Um, here's an interesting one, actually one that I'm, I'm not sure about. Um, some people are doomed to suffer with poor mental health, whether it's through hereditary or, or through, you know, how they've been brought up or something like that. Um, so, so that's a myth, but there are risk factors that make it more likely for you to suffer with mental health conditions. Okay. That is, for example, your, um, your, your family suffering with mental health or addiction issues. Um, and I think it's also important to talk about, you know, just how privileged we are um, and, and people who aren't so privileged. So, for example, if you're black or ethnic minorities um, come from uh, an area of deprivation, there's poverty in your family. Um, interestingly, if you're an immigrant, a refugee, yeah. or, and so that makes sense. Yeah. But interestingly, the um, offspring of immigrants or refugees you are more likely to have mental health issues and or schizophrenia or psychoses so i think what that does is it demonstrates the power of your genetics being altered by life events yeah. and your families and that's something called epigenetics which is where your environment affects your your genes so that's very uh it's sad to hear but it's also yeah. a very important thing to identify so we can support people yeah it's, it's fascinating i did a bit of research a while ago on trauma and how it does affect you know it was a uh, it was talking about uh jews after the holocaust and how actually it's had a massive effect on the grandchildren that shared trauma genetically it's it's uh, it's fascinating obviously we can talk about that for a, for a long long time maybe we'll do a little dive into a podcast um but yeah um okay so here's one which i want us to smash out of the park and we kind of touched on it um you're mentally weak if you suffer with depression or anxiety so some of the most the strongest people i know have anxiety mm -hmm. and i would switch it around and say that the people who are still trying to keep going keep things together and swimming as hard as they can yeah but even with anxiety i think or, or depression or a mental health illness that's incredible and actually that's a very strong and powerful thing to do totally there's there's nothing weak about having a mental health condition in, in the same way that there's nothing weak about having a physical health condition yeah yeah and support to remember there's there's nothing there's nothing wrong with you there's nothing wrong with your brain because you have a mental health disorder and that and that's an important that's an important thing for people to understand so i'm right. glad that we've uh, smashed out of the part right let's do a couple more um more women than men suffer with mental health issues ah now i guess it depends on what mental health condition and also how severe mm -hmm. so for example um women are much more like or about twice as likely to attempt on their life yeah. um but men are much more likely to uh well the word isn't succeed but no complete complete suicide i think we say yeah. now yeah completing suicide um and and that that of course is is desperately sad and we know that you know suicide in young men is is a very significant yeah thing. yeah thing um so Mental health, I would be very keen not to say that it is just a woman's problem or just a man's problem. Um, and actually, I, I think as we're gaining more and more understanding and that society's 
stigma is reducing with men gradually. Yeah, definitely. Gradually. No, no, we're, yeah, but we're slowly getting there. The incidence is gradually equalising. Yeah, it's a universal problem, isn't it? Really, like you say, the different thing. Um, plenty more work for us to do. Um, last one, this is interesting, and it actually focuses on a particular mental health disorder. Um, if I have massive mood swings, I'm bipolar. Uh, yeah. And I think this is a massively misunderstood disorder, isn't it, bipolar? Yeah, it really is. And so that is having a labile affect. That's the medical terminology for that. That means that you struggle to control your emotions or your yeah. emotions and, and feelings go up and down quite a lot. That mm -hmm. definitely doesn't mean that you've got bipolar. Bipolar right. is a condition where there's a few different types, but um, you're you are very low sometimes and the predominant uh, experience is being low but there are periods of being manic or hypomanic where you are very very you know hyper and the, you know aroused is physiologically aroused not sexually yeah. aroused but physiologically yeah. aroused excited you can have lots of adrenaline you can be very um out of control lots of inhibition disinhibition sorry where you struggle to control yourself yeah. lots of risky behaviors it can be very stressful and very worrying and upsetting for people they're not just having a great time very happy one moment and very sad the next it's much yeah. more prolonged and severe and you know we were talking about how um it impacts your quality of life and your ability to function mm -hmm. yeah people who are manic depressive or or have bipolar uh, is the new terminology they their function can be very significantly impaired if they are having one of those significant episodes and they uh, need support counseling and can help medicines to help stabilize them and, and calm them to be able to function yeah um, I'm sure we'll as I say I think it's a massively misunderstood uh, disorder and we will you know we're very excited we're gonna be doing a mental health mini series aren't we on lots of um, lots of different um, disorders. So we will talk about it a lot more. That's something for us to look forward to and I can't wait to, to dive into that. Um, mm. We'll move on. And I think this is gonna be super beneficial for so many people. Dr. Alex Maxwell, your top tips for maintaining good mental health or for looking after our mental health. Yeah, and there's, lot, you know, there's lots of things that add up to all of this, isn't there? So the first one is a slight cop out because it includes a few different things, but self-care. So yeah. Spending time engaging with constructive friends and family, in, and I mean constructive as well, because you know people can affect your mental health negatively, can't they? Yeah, making sure eating well, like we talked about in previous podcasts. You know, lots of fruit and veg and less processed food, for example. Trying to prioritize your sleep. Sleep is very well associated with mental health. Um, connecting with nature, getting outside a bit. Um, Spending some time to kind of learn new things is a great way of boosting your self-esteem and therefore your um, mental health. So self-care, self-love and self-care is critical. That's the first one. Yeah. I love, by the way, that everything that we talk about is just so interconnected. Lifestyle medicine is so interconnected, isn't it? You know, we talk yeah. about sleep, we talk about having a good diet, we talk about movement, and now we're on to mental health and all those things are going to positively affect one another. And it's just a, it's a beautiful cycle. Yeah. If, we get so it right, if we're getting it right. Yeah, and they all impact each other. So, you know, if you eat terribly and don't sleep well, your physical health will suffer, but of course, so will your mental health. And we have to yeah. remember that. Um, yeah. So that's the first one. Second one is, you know, I was talking about 
active versus passive and indirect mm -hmm. versus direct. Yeah. Spending a bit more time doing active and direct ways of helping mm -hmm. your mental health rather than the indirect and passive ways yeah. is definitely something that in my experience when I've cancelled, you know, the thousands of people that I've cancelled thus far in my career, I have found effective when they've come back to me. So yes, encouraging people and guiding people to spend some time actively working on and practicing the skills of mental health. Yeah. Um, it really helps. Yeah. Build that skill. Any yeah. more top tips? Um, we're all, we're all gagging for them. Uh, the last one I really think is, is getting rid of that stigma coming in seeking help, preferably before you're yeah. having more intense and more um impactful mental health issues yeah so if you find yourself on average being a bit more snappy being a bit more stressed a bit struggling to sleep go and have a look at some of the resources that we've we've put up go and talk to your gp and and deal with it before it turns into a thing now there aren't blood tests to monitor or blood pressure you know i check someone's blood pressure it starts to go up i give them advice yeah i do their average sugar before it turns into diabetes, I can give them advice because I can see it happening. Or, or their weight, for example, you can see things like that that are precursors that predict. It's difficult to do that with mental health. So we have to A, talk about it, B, be aware of it and its benefits of getting it right, and C, seek help to yeah. try and help it proactively. And also, if it has, you know, if you are struggling, then come and see us as well. But I'd really encourage people to come and seek help um, yeah. and get that guidance. Find that teacher, find that coach um, to support you. Let, let's talk about where, before we go on to the home, let's talk about where people can sort of seek help. Like we're saying, mm -hmm. actively seek help. Where can, where can people go? What would you be your recommendations? Obviously, you can go and see your GP. That's, yeah. a, that's a great, you know, first port of call. But what else can people be doing, Dr. Alex? So there'll be local resources um, who are community leaders. So religious leaders mm -hmm. at your local church or mosque or synagogue, um, your place of worship are very likely to be able to guide you to places and also give you advice themselves. They're often you know, very wise and have talked to lots of people and considered these things a lot. They're not necessarily professional mental health, uh, uh, mental health professionals. Yep. Um, they are very likely to be able to support you and give you some wisdom. Um, the, the next area I've put it there improving access to like psychological therapies so they, that is uh, the NHS England um, access point for mental health services you don't need to go to your GP there is a website that you can look if you were to say improving access to psychological therapy if you were to google it and say your local area like your county or your, um, your, your borough yep. then that would come up and it would give you a, an online form or a number to call and you would be able to then access someone and they would give you online resources for talking therapies over the phone apps or group therapy or one-to-one -one therapy options there's a variety so that would be one of the first things that i'd say and you don't have to talk to your gp for that but you can yeah yeah, and obviously, like you say, we've got charities, charities like Mind, which is an amazing charity doing amazing things, mind.org.uk, the Samaritans, of course, samaritans.org. Um, and that's the thing. I think we're, we're very fortunate as a society now that 
we realize how impactful this can be and actually there's some great resources out there um i think people are sometimes put off they hear about waiting lists on the nhs for mental health services and stuff like that but there's so much that you can do mm. before you get to that sort of that point you know you say go and see your gp speak to a teacher speak to a right. coach speak to um any of these charities um yeah. there's so much you can do totally. um, now normally i'm the one setting homework but it's the summer holidays <laughs> so dr alex you have some homework that you want to give to our readers <laughs> our readers sorry our listeners yeah so just just for 30 seconds after this is finished we're just about to finish just for 30 seconds to a minute have a think about your coping mechanisms and that's in the immediate setting like how you calm yourself down but also in the longer term setting how you help your mental health and have a think so for example talking to friends exercise this is how i blow off steam do you drink alcohol to get to sleep you know to calm yourself down after work all of those things what do you do to help your mental health and then what i want you to do so write them down or just think about them in your head. And then what I'd like you to do is think about whether they're passive or active, and whether they're indirect or direct. And if you find yourself not doing very many direct active things, have a think about types of those, those things that you could do. Um, and if you'd like to start to do a few more of them, because I can tell you that they might be useful, that very likely reduce your, your, your chance of having mental health problems in the future and make you happier right now. Yeah. So a little bit of self-reflection. I'm definitely going to do this. Um, mm. And I think it would be, I think it would be quite an eye-opening little task for a lot of people. I think quite a lot of people will realize that maybe they're not doing enough active, um, active things to look at their mental health. So I'm definitely going to do this and I'll feed back to you, uh, mate, when we, uh, when we do our next podcast um looking forward to that um so we've gone we've gone slightly over time i'm sure our, our producer is sitting there pulling his hair out saying it should only be 30 minutes but i make absolutely no apologies for for running over because i think this is a topic that we could talk about couldn't we all day it's massively yeah. important and i say um we are going to do you know a little mini series on on mental health disorders which i'm i'm really looking forward to um mm. as always whether it's anything that you've heard in this podcast or whether, you know, you've done your little bit of homework and you want to feed back to us or you want some advice, do get in touch with us. We love to hear from you. You know, it makes this all worthwhile. Um, Dr. Maxwell, how can the listeners get in touch with you? Best ways on my email. So alex.maxwell at melioramedicalgroup.co.uk or you can go on the website, which is www.melioramedicalgroup.co.uk. Brilliant. And we can't wait to hear from you guys. Um, well, that's been a brilliant episode, even if I do say so myself. So interesting and something that we could talk about all day. Um, we'll be back with another episode very, very soon. Until then, look after yourselves and stay well. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Doc. Thank you. Bye. Bye, mate.